Welcome to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. We're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. Pastor Bob teaches line by line and verse by verse from the Word of God. Now, let's join this week's Sunday Morning Bible Study, already in progress. Well, good morning again. If you are just joining us online, this is the Sunday morning service at Whitestone Christian Fellowship in upstate New York. It is December 18th, and it is about 10.30 in the morning. Our, open, our reading this morning that we'll read together is from Exodus, Exodus 34. We'll read verses 29 through 33 together, and then we will continue on. We're skipping a little bit in Luke, but we're going to continue on with the story of the birth of John the Baptist and his father Zacharias and his mother Elizabeth this morning in the gospel. But here in Exodus, Exodus 34, join me with verse 29. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, when the two tables of test, with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses was not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. It's really kind of interesting. When you spend time with the Lord, whether it's in prayer, or whether it's at his feet asking for instruction and understanding. When you spend that time with him, your whole countenance changes, as Moses did here in Exodus. So much so that the Jews were afraid to even approach him. And maybe you've known people like that that you see the countenance of God written all over their face. They live holy and righteous lives. And maybe you're like the rest of us. You see people like that and you think, what the heck is going on with them? The Jews were fearful because they knew that Moses had spent time with the Creator of all heaven and earth. And as we look at this, we understand why just a little bit. Because his message to them was the commandments, all that was written on the tablets of stone that he brought down with him, that God himself had written out for him. And maybe specifically for them. 
But when he came down, he really noticed that there was a problem. He saw them all worried and wondering. And where, where he had been, for 40 days he was on the mountaintop. For the most part, they had given up on seeing him ever again. Because when they looked up to the top of the mountain, they would see nothing but smoke and fire. It would be natural for them to assume that he had been killed in the presence of the Lord. It would be natural for them to believe that because of the Scriptures themselves that say that no man has seen the face of God and lived. So this is an important idea that when you spend time with the Lord, your countenance will brighten. Your hope will return. Your compassion will build. And your empathy for others will grow as well. When we look at <clears throat> when we look at this idea of fear in the people, it's a it's a worthy fear. There's no two ways about it. I lost my cheat sheet for this morning. I found it. <clears throat> we left off last week with Mary visiting Elizabeth in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. It was an incredible time for Elizabeth and for Zacharias, her husband. When the angel Gabriel visited Zacharias, he gave him an astounding prophecy that now that he was old and his wife was old, no doubt they were beyond childbearing years, Elizabeth was going to bring forth a son. The son's name was going to be called John, the angel told Zacharias. And Zacharias doubted because of his age, something they prayed for for all their lives was actually going to happen. You know, how often do we pray for things and sometimes we doubt whether it will ever come to pass? But if, it, if the Lord is in it, it will come to pass. Maybe not in your timing, but certainly in the Lord's timing. And that's the case with John with Elizabeth and with Zacharias. <clears throat> There's plenty of Scriptures to point to the coming of the Messiah. And there's many, almost as many, pointing to a forerunner. One that would come before Christ in His first advent to earth. One that would come before Him and prepare the way for Him and teach about repentance and the forgiveness of sin in that way. And so here in verse 57 of, of Luke 1, we find the story picking up again. Uh, from where we left off last week, we, we 
know that it's it's here and we'll be covering it on Christmas Eve. Uh, we know that the Virgin Mary had also been visited by Gabriel. We know that she received another astounding promise, a promise that every Jewish woman would have hoped to have heard, that she was going to be the virgin that God would use to bring forth the Savior, the Redeemer of all the earth. And Mary spent, when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, it was Elizabeth's sixth month, and she stayed with her about three months, the Scriptures tell us. In fact, just a couple of verses from where we begin today. Verse 55, or 55 and 56. 56 says, And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. So at this point in the storyline, this is Elizabeth's ninth month. And now Elizabeth's full time came that she would be delivered. And she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. It was a reproach for women to not bear children. It was a reproach to not bear a son, even, to carry on the family name. But in this case, Elizabeth was well into her years before she got this promise that she was going to bring forth a child. So now all this time, we don't know how old specifically Elizabeth was, but she waited 40, 50 60 years, perhaps even more, to bring forth a child. She and her husband prayed for it daily. And I can't help but think that as, as Zacharias was at the altar of incense, some of the smoke going up from the incense were no doubt the prayers of Elizabeth and Zacharias going up to the Lord to please Bless them with a child, with a son. So her time had come, and she brought forth a son. Her neighbors and her cousins, her family, all the people that were familiar with her, they knew how much she wanted a child. They knew how much Zacharias would have loved to have a son, or a daughter for that matter. And they rejoiced. Everybody in the area rejoiced with them. And in verse 59 it says, And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. Uh, that was the law. The Moel would come to circumcise the child. That was the specific role of one of the men in the, in the temple to perform the circumcision. They came on the eighth day to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, No, not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. 
And they made signs to his father. Now his father doubted and had his voice taken away. He was speechless, literally and figuratively, because of his doubt. He asked the angel Gabriel, give me a sign that this is actually going to come true. And so the angel said, okay, you'll you'll be mute until the the child is born. (laughs) But you shall call his name John when he's born. So here he is following through with what Gabriel had told him. There's something about obedience that helps to bring about the Lord's blessings. That the the way the Lord reveals Himself to us. Now, in the Hebrew... John's name would be Ionis. And so, Mary says, not so. His name shall be called John. And in verse 62, they made signs unto his father and how he should have him called. And when he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, saying, his name is John. And all of them marveled. What is going on with this? Here, this, these people have waited so long for a child to carry on the family names, and they're not going to name him after his father? No, he's going to be named Ionis. John in the English. And as soon as he wrote that, his name is John, and his mouth was opened immediately, And his tongue was loosed, and he spoke and praised God. First words out of his mouth are praise for God. That angel Gabriel that you sent me, Lord, he was right on the money. He spoke the truth. I asked for a sign, and you gave it to me. You took my voice away. And now that the promise is here, and his name is determined, I have my voice back. It's miraculous that he lost his voice. It's equally miraculous that he regained it. But everybody in the town, they knew of all the prayers of all of their lifetime. They knew of the fact that he went into the temple and served in whatever capacity he could, and on a rotating basis they would change off. And his, his time of ministry at the altar of incense was, was then. It's wonderful to understand how faithful God is to His own Word. The timing is not ours. The timing is His. His Word is His. But as soon as as soon as Zechariah began to speak, he praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them. It's the same kind of fear that the people felt when Moses began to speak with them. I have no doubt 
that Zechariah' face was beginning to shine brightly. Fear came on all that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. The news sped, spread quickly that the priest at the altar of incense had received a great, a great promise from God. And he had his voice back. And everything fell into place. But they all, they all stood back in fear. Interesting that all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. Boy, the gossip vine must have been incredible. And it wasn't necessarily just gossip. It was good news that spread quickly. We always hear that bad news spreads fast. Well, good news can spread even faster. And that's what this was. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts. When they heard John or Zacharias praising the Lord, they laid those things up in their hearts, thinking, what manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. This is just another one of the amazing things about this chapter. Elizabeth had a first song, a prayer that she sang, thinking that she was going to bear a son. The part of the chapter just, just prior to this where we speak of Mary, Mary had a second song in this chapter, a prayer that she sang, and we call it the Magnificat. We'll be looking at that later in the week. But this is the third song of the chapter, and it's Zacharias the priest singing it. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He hath visited and redeemed His people. This is kind of an interesting statement. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He answers prayer. He has visited His people. He sent His angel, Gabriel, that stands in the presence of God had come. And Zechariah witnessed that. He participated in that. But now he says, and he redeemed his people. God sees this forerunner of Christ. Certainly not as the Redeemer, but as the one who makes straight the paths for Messiah. God doesn't live or exist in our time continuum. He doesn't live day by day. He just exists and is. And so God seeing and speaking through 
Zacharias by the Holy Spirit. He says, God has visited His people and He hath redeemed His people. God sees it as a completed task. The visitation is certainly complete, but the redemption is complete as far as the Lord is concerned also. Now there's the working out of Jesus' life on a day-to-day basis for 30-some-odd years. But God sees that Messiah is coming. Something that He promised all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And all of those all of those other prophecies of Messiah throughout the Old Testament. Zechariah continues, He hath redeemed His people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. Now this is what Zechariah is saying, and Zechariah was not of the house of David. But Jesus would be. Because that's what all of the Scriptures pointed to. That Messiah would be born. That He would have a direct line to the throne of David. And that He would inherit that throne forever. This phrase here in verse 69, a horn of salvation, it occurs twice twice before in the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel 22, verse 3, it speaks of the horn of salvation. And it also speaks of that horn of salvation as a shield. The Hebrew word is magen, M-A-W-G-E-N. In Psalm 18, verse 2, the horn of salvation appears again in the Scriptures. And there, that horn of salvation is described as a buckler. And that Hebrew word is magen also, but with a different pronunciation. The shield is a large shield to protect the soldier. A mogan is a smaller shield that covers just the arm. So he's a shield and he's a buckler. He has big protection and he has little protection for us. And it's for us that he's coming. He hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. As he spoke by the mouth of the prophets, he's taking us back to Genesis with that first promise of a coming Redeemer. Zechariah is clearly not a newbie on this, he knows his scriptures. As a priest of the temple, he could probably recite them without having to read them. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. 
This is a, a vague reference to the Abrahamic covenant of Genesis 12. I will bless them that bless you and curse those that curse you. We shall be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant. The oath which He sware to our father Abraham that He would grant also that He would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear. There's that idea of fear again. There's a holy God that we serve. And there is a, there is a good and healthy fear of the Lord. But it's not a fear of terror. It's not a fear of impending doom. It's a fear of respect. Because of God's power. Because of His abilities, which are endless and without limit. To perform the mercy, verse 72, promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath which He sware to our father Abraham, that He would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear. The hope of Israel was that God would just take care of all the enemies. And we could just devote our lives to serving God. Now that should be our hope as well. That we would have our enemies taken care of. That our provisions would all be met. All of our needs according to His riches in glory. And that we might just focus on serving the Lord. Sharing the Gospel. Encouraging our brothers and sisters in the Lord and helping where we find that there's a need. And the need might not be among our brothers and sisters in Christ. The need might be in the world. And people would see a difference in us because they see a difference in our God and what He has done for us. that we might serve Him without fear. You don't serve some without, someone without being able to approach them. And Jesus is the ultimate approachable representation of God the Father. God in the flesh who dwelt among us. But we're still talking about Zacharias' words about this, this coming Redeemer. He's overjoyed that he's got a son, and he's overjoyed that the son is going to be the forerunner, which was promised in the Old Testament. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, it refers to a messenger coming to prepare the way before me. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, Isaiah writes of a voice crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And the, the Isaiah 40 cross-reference is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. This is important. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all make reference to this John the Baptist that's coming. They call him the messenger. 
They call him the voice crying in the wilderness. But they know that he's coming to prepare the way of the Lord. And Zechariah, Zacharias knows it as well. The fact that the fact that the Baptist is born means that the Redeemer is not far behind. The first part of the Scripture passage is the promises are fulfilled. And the next is going to come the true Redeemer, not just the one that prepares His way. And as important as John is, and he was important, For even Jesus said that among men born to women, there is no greater prophet than John. None. No greater than John the Baptist. John's role is integral to the story of the Savior coming to earth. Because once he's born, it's only a matter of time. And based on the storyline that we have here in Luke 1, we know there's only about three months difference between their births. This is amazing. God knows ahead of time what's coming. And He tells us about it in His Word. He doesn't leave us without the clues to follow. In fact, one of the clues that that he gave us was back in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. It's about the ten weeks of Israel. But while, while he's explaining the ten weeks, we find in there that God has told him to speak these words. That from the coming of the Word to rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of Messiah was going to be a specific number of days. From the announcement to rebuild Jerusalem at the time the Jews were captive in Babylon and the decree came from Artaxerxes, the king of Babylon at the time. And Daniel says, that from that announcement to the coming of Messiah was going to be a specific number of days. And if we count up those days, it brings us to Palm Sunday in the Gospels when Jesus entered Jerusalem. The prophecies are there to be fulfilled, and they will and are going to be fulfilled. So many prophecies have already been fulfilled about our Lord Jesus. And He won't leave the others unfulfilled either because the Father is faithful to His Word. To be able to serve Him without fear is what the Jews wanted. The temple was the center of their life. The worship of God was central to their home. 
It was central to their instruction of their children, their whole society was enveloped by Judaism and its promises that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life and thou child now now Zacharias addresses his babe, his son, his infant son. He says, And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, and our God's mercy is tender towards us and towards all that believe. Whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. The day spring is the sun rise. That's when the days spring forth, when the sun rises. And that's what's going to happen. whereby the dayspring from on high hath visited us. Dayspring is also mentioned in a couple of other places in Scripture. And it's always the beginning of the day, the beginning of the light. And the application is obvious that the sun is going to rise on the horizon and He'll show us the way. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Preparing His way, serving Him without fear. That's the desire of the Jewish people that should also be the desire of every believer. Especially those that are going to believe in the Son because He is faithful. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. That's another one of God's promises to us. Jesus said, My peace I give to them. And Jesus was peaceful wherever He went. The only time we saw Him upset was when He saw what the money changers were doing in the temple. They had turned the house of God into a den of thieves, making money where there shouldn't have been a profit margin at all. To give light to them that sit in darkness. What is that? That's hope. And in the shadow of death, we have death all around us these days. We have people dying from 
from diseases, from accidents, from wars, from famines, from military movements. There is so much of the world that still lives on the basis of conquer or be conquered. And when the powerful conquer the weak, the weak are enslaved. And that's not the Lord's will. That's the way of the world. We have one also on the spiritual realm that wants to conquer. His name is Lucifer. We know him as Satan. And he still lives in that realm of conquer or be conquered. He already knows his end, but his desire is to take as many with him as he can. And so he roams about the earth seeking whom he may devour, seeking who he can conquer, seeking who he can take to hell with him. And when that lake of fire is opened up to receive Satan, all those that he conquered, all those that follow him, will follow him into that lake of fire. But Zacharias finished finished this wonderful song of his. In verse 80 he says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. We don't know how long that was before his showing in Israel. But if he's going to be preparing the way of the Lord, then it probably wasn't too long before Jesus began his ministry that John began his in preparing the way of the Lord. Teaching the people about repentance teaching the people about true remission for sin, about the idea of dying to self, literally just saying no to self, and working and striving for that path of peace where serving the Lord becomes easy and without fear. And he fulfilled that role he prepared the way of the Lord. Jesus even coming to him to be baptized. Because Jesus was one of the Jews. And he did that for an example to all of those that might believe on his name. We are so blessed to be able to pick this apart a little bit. No, there's so much more in here. So I encourage you to read it this week. Get out of concordance. Do the cross-references if you have a 
reference Bible and see all the places and all the messages that point to John and point to our Messiah and remind us that we are His and He is ours. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this short message this morning. We ask that we would just be blessed as we mull it over, as we think about about what it meant for Zacharias and Elizabeth. And then what it means to us that a man was specifically born to prepare the way for Christ. Lord, we're, we're humbled by Your foreknowledge. We're humbled by Your planning. We're humbled by everything about You, Lord. As You control all things, as You provide for all that love You, as You give us hope, and You teach us, You teach us the path of peace. Lord, bless our week as we prepare to celebrate Your birth next weekend, as we prepare to celebrate Your coming, the beginning of Your redemptive work. We ask You to bless our time. In Jesus' name, Amen. From Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2, God be merciful to us and bless us, and cause His face to shine upon us, that Thy way may be known upon earth, Thy saving health among all nations. God bless you. I know this is going to be a hectic week for a lot of people, but follow that path of peace. Share a word of encouragement with someone. Share a word of hope with the hopeless. Share a word of love with the unlovable and truly celebrate Christ all week long have a wonderful week God bless you we'll see you on Christmas Eve and be joyful thank you for listening to the Sunday morning Bible study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz to access the list of teachings or to check the archives for Pastor Bob's weekly observations column, log on to brightstonecf.com. There you can also check the weekly schedule and any upcoming events. To contact us or to drop a note to Pastor Bob, you can email us at whitestonecf at gmail.com or call us at 585-924-8820. Whitestone Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational congregation. Every Sunday, Pastor Bob walks us through the Bible, teaching line upon line and verse by verse. And we're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. And if you're in the area, we invite you to visit us. From upstate New York, Pastor Bob encourages all of us to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our victor. Stay close to him.